Our scripture today is from Nehemiah 12, 27 through 31, and then verses 40 through 47. And at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought the Levites in all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness, with thanksgivings and with singing, with cymbals, harps, and lyres. And the son of the singers gathered together from the district surrounding Jerusalem and from the villages of the Netophilites. It gets better. Also from Beth Gilgal and from the region of Geba and Asmaveth, for the singers had built for themselves villages around Jerusalem. And the priests and the Levites purified themselves, and they purified the people and the gates and the wall. Then I brought the leaders of Judah up onto the wall and appointed two great choirs that gave thanks. One went to the south on the wall uh, to the dung gate. Going to verse 40. So both choirs of those who gave thanks stood in the house of God, and I and half of the officials with me. And the priests, Eliakim, Messiah, Minyamin, Micaiah, Elionai, Zechariah, Hananiah, with trumpets, and Messiah, Shemaiah, Eleazar, Uzi, Jehohanan, Melchijah, Elam, and Ezer. And the singers sang with Jezrahiah as their leader. And they offered great sacrifices that day and rejoiced, for God had made them rejoice with great joy. The women and the children also rejoiced, and the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. On that day, men were appointed over the storerooms, the contributions, the first fruits, and the tithes to gather them to the portions required by the law for the priests and for the Levites according to the fields of the towns, for Judah rejoiced over the priests and the Levites who ministered. And they performed the service service of their God and the service of purification, as did the singers and the gatekeepers, according to the command of David and his son Solomon. For long ago, in the days of David and Asaph, were the directors of the singers, and there were songs of praise and thanksgiving to God. And all Israel in the days of Zerubbabel and in the days of Nehemiah gave the daily portions for the singers and the gatekeepers, and they set apart that which was for the Levites, and the Levites set apart that which was for the sons of Aaron. This is the word of the Lord. If you know me, you know that uh, I I don't like birthdays. Um, It's not that I don't like your birthday, I love your birthday, Please come back to the gallery. Um, I, don't, I don't like my birthday. I don't like anything to do with birthdays. Um, the truth is, when I was, uh, when I was dating Annette, uh, she wanted to know when my birthday was, and I didn't tell her. I don't think I told her until after our marriage, when she saw it on our marriage certificate. Um, because there's something about birthdays that makes me uncomfortable. Um, the idea of this immense pressure comes on you where everyone starts asking, how old are you, and what's going on, and how's your life? And there was something that happened post-21 that I felt like life is miserable, like nothing is good, everything is just horrible. And, and I remember growing up as a kid, I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that I had a sister that loved birthdays and needed the world to know it was her birthday. And uh, I remember there was a time when you know, we were in elementary school and we were all getting ready and it was her birthday 
and again, if you grow up in an Indian home, your parents like celebrate everyone's birthday on January 1st, just to save time. And so, you know, that was the kind of home I grew up in. And my sister, no one wished her happy birthday. I remember as we're getting ready to go to school, I was walking by the bathroom and I saw my sister, the door was, was slightly open, and I saw her looking into the mirror and crying and saying, it's okay, Sharon, no one loves you, but I love you, and thinking, Looney Tune, what is And at the end she said, happy birthday to you, and I thought, wow. And so after that I said, I don't want a birthday, don't care for it. But, there's a but to that statement. But then I turned 30. Not now, but a while ago. I turned 30. And I remember there was something about this idea when I became 30. I remember I looked over to my wife as I struggled to get out of bed, just holding my back and holding my forehead, rubbing the hair that was not on my head, just thinking, I'm old. I remember I told my wife, I said, I want to celebrate my 30th birthday. She goes, what? I go, I want to celebrate my 30th birthday. She goes, why? I go, because the truth is, I made it. Like, I never thought I would make it. Like, growing up in the city, I honestly got, listen, I, we have experienced driving through Hunts Point and the back glass of our window getting shattered by a bullet. Like, that's the city I grew up in here. And so, it was just one of these experiences, this epiphany moment that I had where I said, I want to celebrate. And I said, I want... I told my wife, I want the finest meal out there. You know, call my friends. Bring them to this banquet. And my wife did. She called all my friends. They all flew in, and we sat down at a table, and we had a meal together because there was something happening in my heart. And I'll tell you what it was. It was this moment when I looked back, and I saw all that God brought me through. The highs, the lows, the not-so-happy doctor's report and the, your, the, the, the great grade reports, the things that I was able to experience with great joy and the, the moments where I was, thought I just wanted to end it all, these highs and lows, and God brought me through. It was this moment in my life where I could draw a line in the sand and say, God got me here. I wanted to celebrate, and we did on my 30th birthday, on a month, on that day, we celebrated my birthday. And nothing else after that, but we celebrated. Of course, now, for those of you that crossed 30, you know 30 is nothing. 40 is the real deal. Like, come on, son. Like, it's 30. Anyone can get there, but 40 matters more. But it's this idea of celebration. And that's, I think that's it. We've come to the end of our text. Six weeks into it. We've missed about three weeks because of my traveling, but we've come to the end of our text. Nehemiah, this man, for 140 years, his people did not have a wall. And he got a vision. He trusted God. And 52 days later, 52 days later, 140 years of nothing, and 52 days later, there's a wall standing around Jerusalem. And this is the only thing he does. He says, let's party. Let's celebrate. 
bring out the best musicians, get the choir assembled. Let's climb on top of the wall. That's what they do. They have two choir groups and they walk around the wall singing and celebrating to God. Do you know why? Because 52 days ago, there was nothing. 52 days ago, there was fear of rejection, there was opposition, there was mocking tones, there was enemies at bay, there was doubt, there was wonder whether there'll be enough money, there was, last week you heard, the persecution of their own people. People were starving. And 52 days later, Nehemiah was looking at the faithfulness of God in front of him. He responded, let's celebrate. This is my entire sermon. There's food waiting for us, and I won't keep you long, I promise. I'll tell you what I fear. I fear for those of you that have moved to the city, the city's cynicism has crept in. Some of you are from some happy parts of this country, constantly smiling, and you've come in, you've been jaded. You're tired, and you're looking forward Labor Day weekend or Christmas or just to go back home, whatever that means. Some of you that have been here long enough, you look at your career and you see the, the monotonous routine of a Monday morning and a, and a, and a Friday night, and, and you're jaded. Cynicism has filled your heart. You look down the pipeline of your future and you say, this job sucks. Everything about the city sucks. I hate the lights. I hate the people. It was wonder and joy when you first came, but now you're just saying, I want to get out. This is what the text is telling us. We have reason to celebrate. That if there's anyone that should not be jaded, if there's anyone that should not allow the cynicism of the city to creep in, it's you, Christian. It's you. Because we have reason to celebrate. I love in verse 27, he said, bring out the harp and the cymbals. You can't get polar opposite in instruments and cymbals and harps. This thing of a noise and this of a noise coming together like how does that work like like how does that sound but this is what I think Nehemiah is telling us listen all of us are in between a cymbal and a harp sound when we sing some of us are please stop singing and some of us are please join the worship team we're either a cymbal or a harp but he says whatever your noise make it whatever your ability to declare with hands and feet God's faithfulness over your life. And I'll tell you why he tells us to celebrate. Three quick thoughts. Number one, he says, celebrate for your soul, for you. Remind yourself. When we started Nehemiah, I said this. If anything, the fact that you're still alive means God's not finished with you yet. And if God isn't your, your narrative to your story, then, then Mother Earth or nature is not finished with you yet, which at least tells me you're here to do more. You're here to do more. 
But there's still something great. And for us as Christians, God is reminding us this morning, I've still got great things to do through you. You are not here by accident. You are not in the city. You are not in the job that you might hate by accident. You are not sitting next to the person you're sitting next to by chance. You're here for a reason. Celebrate to remind your soul that God's still in control. Celebrate so that you could keep the cynicism at bay that creeps in so you can remind yourself God is good. Celebrate. It's for your soul. Number two, it's for the voices that opposed you. What do I mean? Remember the, the taunts from, from Nehemiah's enemies? What did they say? It's so funny. They said, even if a fox climbs this wall, it'll fall. That was their taunt. Your wall sucks. Your vision is horrible. Your life has no purpose. You should just quit. Quit living. Quit believing. Quit singing. Because even if a little fox gets on your wall, it'll fall. And what does Nehemiah do? He gets all those jokers that Kayla tried to read. Thank you very much. I think you did a great job. He got all those jokers. And you know what? The reason we broke those verses up, because there's a lot more jokers in the text. There's just so many odd names of people. He got all of them to climb on top of the wall and walk on it. He heard his whole time building. A fox can take it down. He said, really? Let's climb and let's sing on top of the wall. When you celebrate, you are showing this city, you are showing those around you that doubt it, that God is good. That he is good. He's got a plan for me. That even in the midst of doubt and pain and frustration and chaos and confusion. God still had a plan for me. Celebrate so those that are around you that didn't believe can see the goodness of God. But finally, celebrate so that others can not only hear your story, but join in your story. What do I mean? Listen, this is where I land. If you, Christian, have no reason to sing, you can say, Stan, but you don't get where I am. You don't get what I've been through. I'll concede. I'll hear you. Except for this one truth. We're about to go to the table. There is a song we as Christians all get to sing. And I've spent a decade serving college students on the campuses of this city and what I ask them is, listen, I know you might hate so many things about Christianity, but where she stands apart is this song we get to sing, and this is the song. I was dead, but now alive. I could not climb this ladder to God, but God climbed it down for me, lived the life I could not live, died the death I deserved, and lives in me, and now I rise to him. There is a song every Christian gets to sing, that we are no longer guilty, we are no longer walking in shame, that we are no longer sinners, 
that our hands are dirty like we sang this morning, but there is a God with open arms, perfect arms, embraces us, this filthy creature, and says, welcome home, son and daughter. There is a God in heaven that looks at us as orphans and says, you are adopted into my family. There is a God that looks at us as sinners and calls us saints. There is a God that looks at us who have rejected ourselves and rejected by others and says, I accept you. There is a God that sees our brokenness and says, in me, I give you completion and wholeness. We have a song to sing. And every Sunday, there was a song for a season that our worship leader used to sing back in our church in the Bronx. You might have sung it in your home, in your home church. When I think about the Lord, how he saved me, how he raised me, how he filled me, with the Holy Ghost, how he healed me to the uttermost. When I think about the Lord, how he picked me up and turned me around, how he placed my feet on solid ground, it makes me want to shout, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're worthy of all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. We have reason Let's pray. Father, thank you for Jesus, our Lord. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for loving us. As we come to the table this morning, would you remind us that this is a table to celebrate? This is a table to celebrate your love for us. We give you the thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.